Hi, this is Wendy, W-A-E-N-D-Y, and I am continuing my last episode, um, sharing some stories of things that I have been shown from a pre-Earth experience. Um, another term is pre-existence. And anyway, I um, had left off at this idea that I had seen and been like shown or remembered um you know maybe all these memories are really just in my soul um but that I had stood with Christ and had offered myself essentially to come down and and fight for him and to stand with him but how I got there of course I shared in the last episode wasn't because of this zeal for fighting for him and standing with him but because for whatever reason, the the path that I took in, in my pre-earth experience to even choose Christ, um, you know, was actually kind of complicated. And and it wasn't a clear, yes, I'm going to choose um, Christ. And and another thing that kind of perplexed me in, in what I had been shown was just this idea that I didn't necessarily choose Heavenly Father's plan. Now, Christ... Of course, like we read that he, you know, was like, here am I, I will go and I will not, you know, and I'm actually not pulling up that scripture right now. I probably should, maybe I'll go back and find it. Um, but you know, like he was like, here am I, I will fight for you or I will go down and I don't even need any glory. And of course, like we have this other side where Lucifer's like, send me and give me all your glory. And so they had very different um, levels of willingness and what they required in return. Um, of course, then Christ is chosen. Anyway, and so I had grown up, you know, really with this idea that, you know, people just chose Lucifer's idea or they chose Heavenly Father's idea. And so I had thought, okay, that was it. Like, I chose Heavenly Father's plan. Otherwise, I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't have a body, you know, like this kind of idea. But in some way, Christ was like, actually, can I show you how you got to that? you know, um, choice. And it wasn't actually simple at all. And the more he showed me, um, the more I had to face myself, the more I actually started to realize I was actually repeating patterns, um, on earth, you know, of behavior that I had actually had or manifested in this like pre-earth realm as well. Um, and so that was interesting to me. It was almost like I was going to repeat patterns, and maybe we all do in some way, until we wake up and then start to choose different based on what we've learned, right, here on Earth, in our bodies and whatever. Because before, you know, this understanding of, like, a pre-Earth life, like, we didn't have a physical body, um, or at least not as we have it now. You know, maybe was I a plant on another planet, maybe somewhere out there learning, maybe. Um, you know, we were intelligences and light and... And so, you know, did we inhabit other forms? Who knows? Um, but my guess is that we continued to learn. And then now we're in these physical bodies, which are very important to understanding our divine nature as well. Uh, and so, anyway, so wherever this took place and whether it took place in this exact way, um, obviously he's talking to me in a way that I will understand. He's showing me... Um, things and using symbols that are familiar to me and 
uh, one of the things that he showed me and that I remembered was handing him this coin. And I remember, like, I was thinking, well, where did the coin come from? And he was like, well, you had a hundred to start with. And I was like, what happened to all the other coins? You know, and so I had this, like, real big question. Um, like, what did the coins represent? What did I do with them? Why was it important that I give him my last coin? And if I didn't have any coins, was that good? Was that bad? You know, like, I just was like, I can't even comprehend this yet, right? And, and so basically, he, he ends up telling me this story and showing me. And he basically said, you know, you had 100 coins. And when the plans, you know, when the plan was presented, I'm guessing that there was probably quite a lot of deliberation between all of um, like m the idea of like spirit siblings, you know, like if we were all brothers and sisters up there, all spirits, um, you know, I'm sure that a lot of us had our own ideas, to be honest. Um, something broke us all apart or something was trying to pull us together and we weren't coming together. And, you know, father ends up with a plan, loose friends up with a plan. Um, I sometimes think maybe he ended up with a viable plan, like something that actually satisfied the laws of justice, um, you know, in a way. And so it was a divine plan because it could have worked. Um, but I don't know the conditions that would have made that possible or just or whatever. Um, but, you know, father's plan, on the other hand, was presented as this other way that would give us a chance to to become free agents, although we weren't, we didn't come to earth as free agents, like time rules over us in a way, I mean, even father's plan, like his laws rule over us, and uh, we're trying to be given an opportunity to become free, I believe, um, and so not that that means that then he's not a god, you know, or our god, or our father, um, but just like any parent, like, you want your kids to grow beyond you. You want them to move out and not necessarily be ruled under your law. You want them to be free agents, right? So it makes sense to me that God would put us here in order to learn something to grow beyond him. And just like any parent, if you're a parent, you know, you learn so much about yourself and life by being a parent. And so those children um, are super important to our learning experience. My guess then is that we are also part of our Heavenly Father's progression and learning experience as well. Um, and I won't go into that. Maybe that's a topic for another day. But um, anyway, so then this idea of coins. And so I had 100 coins and I dispersed them amongst all is what I'm told. And I realize now I thought that meant all my brothers and sisters. And I would have had to give particles <laughs> of this, these coins to everyone because how many gazillion billions of us are there? Um, but maybe all is, again, kind of a classification. Maybe it was a certain characteristic um, in different beings. Maybe it was a certain idea. Um, you know, ALL, I, I like when I bring it back to the ancient Hebrew um, or the pictographs that precede the, the Hebrew language, um, I think of a, an ox head and then two staffs of authority. And so it was like strong authority, but it was like a double <laughs> strength of authority. Maybe that's what all meant, like whoever all was. But anyway, so I disperse pretty much all my coins amongst all. And I have five left, five whole coins, because again, I did feel like I gave out particles to different people. And maybe I didn't give out 
the same to each person, but I remember feeling like this, it was just this idea, like if we all believe in each other's goodness and we all choose each other, we can all get home and we don't have a need for one person taking on everyone's insecurities, everyone's failure to believe in their goodness or their sin or their lack of sense, like their lack of self or sure self. Like we don't need one person to do this for us and put all of that um, weight and responsibility and suffering on one person, you know, namely Jesus Christ, but we can just do this for each other. Um, And then I remember talking to Christ about this and he was like, but you realize, Wendy, like in order for this plan to have worked, (laughs) you like every single soul would have had to say yes to this. And he's like, I understand that like you don't feel whole without all of your brothers and sisters returning. He's like, and obviously I think this is maybe then why Lucifer's plan seemed a lot more appealing because he was like, I can get everyone back. Like this is the story that we have of him. Um, but at the same time, um, my plan wasn't viable. Maybe it would have been, he said, if every single person, every single being was like, yes, we will believe in each other's goodness. And, you know, I mean, that's, that's a tricky thing, man. I, I was, you know, married for 16 years and I can witness how hard it is for, for us to, to know our own goodness. And, and my experiences, um, you know, you can only see, accept someone's goodness to the degree that you accept your own goodness. And, you know, and maybe in this pre-earth experience, and, and I think that one of the stories that he gave me kind of helps me see where this idea maybe stemmed from and where it was birthed. Um, but basically, like, I, I believed in everyone's goodness because I believed in my own, and I assumed others were as I was. That's it. We assume others are as we are, or that they should be as we are, you know, whatever it ends up being. Um, and the truth was, no, we were broken. That's why this whole thing existed. It was, so it's kind of like, Wendy, what broke them was the, was the cure to you. It's like, all we have to do is do the opposite of what we just did. Just believe in your goodness. And he's like, well, that's why we're all here. You know, that's why we're all broken. And now they need a savior. Um, and we'll get into that. I think later, just this idea of a need for a savior. Um, and so at this point, then I just basically, Divide up all my coins. I have five whole coins. And, you know, going back to this idea of my brother at the tree, um, I, I don't know how many coins I had at that point. But I know when I went into Lucifer's camp, I remember um, remembered that, that I ended up giving four whole coins to his camp in order to enter. I must have known that I needed four whole coins to enter this, this realm or this camp or whatever. And so I go in there and I am reminded that there were slaves in this camp. And, and it was like I could remember saying, oh, well, I can't stay. And again, I like, hadn't fully grasped the whole reason why I couldn't stay. But it was just like I, something did not agree with my soul or my highest like crown desires or just whatever it might have been. Um, 
and but I realize there's these slaves and I can't leave this camp leaving four whole coins with Lucifer because in my mind or in my soul it was like I understood he would have that he would be able to wield that against me in this life um, or it would just leave too much power in his hands over me and so there's this plan in place somehow and I was talking to my son about it and he was like I think there's more to this story <laughs> like there's definitely some scheme and planning and preparation for this um, and then I was like god I can't really grasp it all and he was like well you didn't come up with this plan on your own like not all of it so anyway so I'm just going to tell you the pieces that I remember but basically so I go in um, I can't stay I want to leave I don't want to leave with you know this leverage over me and so somehow I convince a thousand women I remember feeling like they were they were women like spirits to give me back the particle that I had given them once like this from these hundred coins and so a thousand women give me a particle of them that I had given them and then I make a coin it's like I solder it all this together and I make a coin and I give that to Lucifer but I do this four times and so four thousand particles from my sisters um, you know come back to me and I make these coins and then I give it to Lucifer and and he sets four slaves free now I didn't get to choose which slaves got to leave he selected them and again my son was like wait why did he select them and in his whole thing was I'm so curious he was so curious he was saying um, that he was so curious just of like what would be like who he would have chosen would he have chosen someone he could manipulate would he chosen someone he knew would fail succeed was brainwashed like what was it right um and anyway so he decides who's gonna leave or at least his camp decides um, which four slaves would leave and so I leave um, and then that was that point where I went back to my brother at the tree and he was like why did you sell yourself and I was like oh is this what he's talking about because of course now I'm like piecing these stories together and I'm like I guess I did sell myself but I come back with only one coin and and then of course that's the coin I end up giving to the Savior and standing next to him so um, again I'm like well how did this work and I kind of get this feeling that everyone who entered into Lucifer's camp had to put in four coins whole coins and it was almost like he put them into like one big pot and basically said hey all of this could be yours or a bigger portion could be yours but really everyone put the same amount in it was just a gamble to see who would get the greater portions of it out or maybe they would bank on the fact that someone else wasn't going to succeed or just whatever and so it was just an interesting thing because I, I don't know that um, this is a story <laughs> it we're told really um, and I don't know what it means exactly except that I know that there is a there's um, this idea in etymology um, that I came upon um, this root base called SOL and it's the idea of whole and um, and in French you know like the idea of a, of a soul or a, I don't actually I should look it up I'm gonna go look it up okay so uh, I'm just looking at my little pie roots book here and this is kind of where I came upon it because I was just like reading this from like almost like cover to cover like a novel and it's very interesting 
because I was like, oh my gosh, he had shown me all this thing about coins like months and months and months ago. And then I found the section. So SOL is, it says whole. Um, and then it goes from whole to like other words that come from this base root. Um, solder, soldier, solid, sue, S-O-U, um, consolidate, um, solid. And it was just really interesting to me because of the progression. Because, again, my brother at the tree was like, why did you sell yourself? So I sold myself, right? And I had been whole once. I'd had all my coins, and I had these whole coins, right? And I gave whole coins, four whole coins to Lucifer, um, and a sou, S-O-U, in French is uh, a coin. And so I was like, that's too coincidental, I think. Um, anyway, and, and religious, solemn, you know, the, these words are in there too. And I, I think that just like something um, can be said of the fact that that these these sounds are collective in a way. And I went from selling myself to soldering these coins together consolidating them right and then um and then when I left Lucifer's camp you know I had the one whole coin and I give it to Christ and he's like stand with me fight for me it's the definition of a defender uh, but also kind of like the idea of a soldier for Christ as well and then um and then he says I will make both sides right and and that's actually a very interesting phrase considering um I feel like what I was taught just like a couple weeks ago of this idea of becoming more solid in myself and um, almost like one side of me was willing, has always been willing to lay down my life for others. And now Christ is like, I actually need you to learn how to like basically live for yourself or raise yourself up um, or rise within your own self for self. And it was kind of like these two halves of me. Like I had always been honoring like my right side, but I hadn't been honoring my left side almost like, um, and so that I feel like that's what I'm learning. But as I as I did that, as I have found, you know, more and more like I'm willing to lay down my life, but I also need to be able to raise up my life for myself. Um, as I had done that, I remember just the first day and, and it hasn't it hasn't left, but it was just like God was like, you're done being sad. And I was like, OK, and it was just kind of like this, like take up your bed and walk. And it was just gone. I, I can't explain it. Um but also what accompanied it was this feeling of like, I don't feel alone. Like I, I literally don't feel alone anymore. And I feel solid, um, free, weightless, but there's something solid, like a solid state. Um, and so anyway, so I kind of like look at these sounds and these words and I'm like, there really is a progression that he's showing me in this pre-earth experience. Um, that maybe we can understand with language as we start to realize the sentence it's you know it's trying to speak or the progression in the if we think of it as a movie or um or just these sounds like adding an l adding a d adding you know taking that away uh, it is very interesting because so in etymology is this that but it also is the and she so, and then also in that manner. So we go from S-O to S-O-L, which then is whole. And like I said, all these other words that come with it. Um, and then it goes, it progresses even through that um, to, 
let's see, what was I looking at? To the idea of being saved, safe, um, healthy, uninjured, whole. And so we go from so to soul to being saved. And so um, I just wonder, you know, like I, I start to look at this idea of the coins then and this, this need to disperse basically my whole self to everyone, saying I believe in everyone or I believe in all, right? And and then get to the point where I'm literally left with nothing left. And, um, but in a way, you know, he's showing me like it wasn't an atonement, but it was an exchange of self with all these people. And then, and then again, like they were willing to give those particles of me back to me, like they were holding them for me. And that's actually another point that um, my son was like, you know, trying to help me work out. And it was almost like at some point, and I feel like it maybe preceded my brother at the tree. Um, you know, I learned about something deceptive that would be happening that would entrap, you know, um, brothers of mine into this this camp. And, and maybe, you know, in some way, like I dispersed those pieces that it would allow me to, um, maybe innocently is a good way or without any guile, like enter into his camp. And then those pieces would be restored to me, um, so that I could remember what to do with them. And so it was almost just like a veil that I put almost over myself by dispersing all of it in order to enter the camp without knowledge um, or remembrance of this, um, but ultimately to free these slaves who had become trapped in there. And, and, you know, and the feeling that I get is that maybe, like, after I completed this first transaction, um, and again, this idea of buying, selling self is really interesting to me. Um, why, why I was willing to do that, or why any of us are willing to ourselves in a position where we are um, being reduced in order to get what we need or maybe be out of compassion or just whatever there's there's a lot of themes there and uh, anyway um, so basically that's that story but okay so one thing I think would be important to mention here too is that this idea of the slaves um, I, I don't know much about all the slaves or what got them, you know, to the point of being a slave within Lucifer's camp. But what I do know is what I had initially, um, learned, I guess, about why, um, why people struggle. Um, it's just because of these traumas, right, that we experience. And, and there was one spirit in particular, I'll call him the, the slave boy, although they were all, it seemed like, I guess they weren't all boys, but this particular slave boy, he um, basically was trafficked um, in a way, maybe unwillingly, like here I was like trafficking myself, right, with these coins um, in a way, but he was trafficked as a very young spirit and of course shown this big pot you know, promised that he's going to get all these things, make it back, whatever it was. But he was also programmed to not take any nourishment from the idea of a heavenly father, a heavenly mother, or like a 
divine brother, like Jesus Christ. Um, in a lot of ways, uh, there's this feeling or sense I get that it's kind of like he was without malice, like a bacteria, um, like programmed. It hurts people, but kept in balance. You know, of course, like some bacteria are not bad. And but I mean, bad is in like hurting on purpose with malice. Um, and then I was told that he had been after the order of Cain. Which is interesting to me because in Moses 5, um, we do learn a little bit about Cain. And actually, before he ever kills his brother, God comes to him and says, and actually shows him his pre-earth experience. And he's like, hey, this is what you did in this life. This was the plan you had. Um, and and he basically says, I need you to remember your pre-earth path so that you don't go through with this plan that's in your soul. And it was interesting because in Moses 5, um, Cain, he basically thinks that when he kills Abel, he's going to get his flocks. It's kind of this idea of like, you can get a bigger portion, right? Even though you didn't put in a bigger portion, everyone put in the same amount. So I think that that's interesting and ties back into this for sure. Uh, in anyway, um, another thing I had been taught about this slave boy was that he was one of the four that was released with with my offering, I guess, when I went in there and when I left and that he, you know, had gone over to the fold of God once he was released. And I thought, well, okay, like <laughs> I remember at one point I was like, okay, Jesus, like you're telling me this story. It's, it's wild. It's out there. I don't know that I've ever heard anything like this. And I was like, where is this in the scriptures? If it's true, you got to show me something, you know? And then that's when he sent me to Moses 5. And I was like, oh, here's Cain's story, you know? And he was told about his pre-earth. And then he's like, and go to Jude 1. And I go to Jude 1 and it talks about there were certain men who crept in unawares. And, you know, I think that as we read that scripture, we might think, well, yeah, that happens here on earth, you know? But it's happening here on earth because guess what? It happened before earth as well. That's the understanding that I think I'm gaining. And, um, but the interesting thing is that he also told me about this slave boy. He said, you know, he, he ends up coming over to the fold of God and this idea of creeping in unawares. I mean, was he really like, was God really not aware that these souls had been freed and came over? Um, but he said, you know, he made promises he didn't intend to keep. And I thought, oh, that's really interesting. And so like, regardless whether they had crept in, <laughs> whether they had been freed, whether God knew, um, it was kind of like they were, they said whatever they had to do to come into that fold, to come to earth, get a body. But of course they came over still with like the programming, right? From their trafficked, um, trafficking experience, experience. So kind of with their own traumas, right? Um, and then this, this, little slave boy, um, he wanted to, he really wanted to experience earth and see earth. And so that's why he was like so willing to make these promises, even if he wasn't going to keep them because he could still come and do that. And again, he was without malice. He just was a very young spirit who didn't, you know, obviously start in a home where <laughs> like the idea of that they could teach him a sense of self, um, to stand up against something that would control him. But, and and then how much did he really understand, right? Um, anyway, and so that's that little boy. And he 
basically comes over um, into the fold of God. And I remember feeling like I, I had been a friend to him once he came over. And, and it was almost like he trusted me and clung to me. And I remember being like, Christ, why did he like stick around me? And he's like, well, he, he, he saw you. Like it was like he saw, um, you know, us make this exchange, all these women. And so he recognized me in a way. And so here is this boy then that I'm teaching, but he's kind of like scrawny, very condensed, um, very not withered away, but kind of, it was like very, it, it just reminds me a little bit of like venom. <laughs> like it's just like this black tar stuff. Like he was just so reduced. Um, and so he just clung to me. And so I became like a mother, I suppose in a way to him. And he wouldn't receive any nourishment from anyone but me in a way. And so I taught him but because of the conditions that he entered into the fold of God and because uh, he did not intend to keep his promises but didn't have any malice, Christ basically was like, Wendy, you're the only one he trusts. So can you help him get home? Like help him basically get to the point where he can choose self so he can choose me and actually have the capacity to get home because it's like he had been released from Lucifer's camp, but almost at a deficit to the point that he couldn't get home. Um, and, and Christ just basically said he didn't choose himself. He never did. But again, he was trafficked as a young spirit and then he wasn't even, he didn't even choose to leave the camp. He was selected, told to leave. I didn't choose him to leave. Um, and so, and then here he was, like, not really choosing life, but making promises. <laughs> and so, basically, he was like, can you help him get home? And the way to help him get home was through Father's plan. You know, this idea of, of a marriage, helping each other become whole through that. And, um, you know, standing and fighting with, you know, standing by each other and for each other um, until we are sure and can get home. And I didn't want to. I remember feeling so strongly like I don't want to do this. Like I love him as a spirit um, and as a friend, but he's like a son to me. And also I don't want this. I don't want the idea of a marriage and this whole thing. And he was like, but you're the only one he trusts. And I, you know, at that point I was at a zero point. So I don't know that I had, Again, like what other options did I have? And I could see his point, Christ's point, and I could see the conditions that this, this soul was going to enter into life. And and if he never could choose self or choose Christ, like would that lend him to an endless torment, like a son of perdition, but almost without malice? So it just seemed unfair. And so anyway, so then at that point I thought, okay, fine, I'll do this. And I wrote out this will and this plan to help him turn, to help him choose self, to help him see his goodness and that sort of thing. And I remember writing out this plan and then Christ was like, uh, this isn't going to work. And he's like, because your desire is not actually father's plan. And I'm like, but you're asking me to marry this person. And then you're telling me it's not going to work. <laughs> like I was so confused. And he was like, 
well he's like i'm honoring your desire his desire god's desire but like it was like he was checking a cross and he's like no this is a structure that will break and it will never turn him the way that that he needs to be turned because you literally don't have a desire to make this actually work and so what he did is he christ helped me revise the plan he cut it in half and he said at this point i'm gonna need you to let go of this marriage if he can't turn by this point and i remember just thinking no even more so i don't want this plan i don't want to do this i don't want to hurt a soul i don't want to have to let go and be the cause of him breaking because i have to leave you know and i'm just thinking and the whole thing just seems so unfair and so just sad i guess in a way and but christ was like but you have to just trust me like this this is going to help him and you know and i don't know that i could remember much after that i just knew that i was hoping christ was wrong i wanted to be right i needed to say nope i'll stay with him until the end of my life and i will just see this through right and he was like no you actually are going to need to let go but he's like but i'll place contingencies there because if he does happen to turn before this point you're not going to have to let go and so we went with this revised plan with the full plan it was like there was this contingency and um and you know in one way i was like if i'm going to do this i'm going to try to do it the best i can in the way that father had designed and outlined um anyway but i can see christ's point now like no matter what that plan was going to self-sabotage because it wasn't based on my desire um and that's that's actually an important thing to to touch on okay so this idea then of a will um and christ basically trying to say you're writing out a will that is going to honor the father or at least it is aiming to honor the father you're writing a will to basically stay with this this boy that you're going to be joined with forever until he can turn um and yet you don't desire a marriage you don't desire a firstborn son you don't desire the plan as it is outlined and so ultimately this is going to fail um because it actually cannot succeed if it's not your desire like it just can't no matter how much you want to do what is needful for others your desires will always trump and i think this is actually a really important like discussion in general because uh, as i pray and ask god for guidance uh, what he has taught me is he says you know if you're asking if it this is something good that you should do like if i'm praying about going to school or getting married or having children or whether or not i should go to this party you know whatever it might be if i'm just like is this good for me to do <laughs> um ultimately god is checking something and you know i kind of grew up with this idea that god was like had a plan for me you know like we hear this and if i'm asking him if it's good or not it's because he's wiser than me he has discernment um and so i need to check with him because he knows better than me right like he knows more than me and and maybe all those things are true 
Um, but what is also true, or at least what I've come to understand when I pray now, is as I, as I seek counsel from God, he's going back to my will and my desire, and he's saying, yeah, actually what you would like to do is going to get you to your desire in a way that you are able and capable of, of doing without hurting yourself. You know, it's kind of like Christ saying, okay, let me see your will. And he's like, uh, you're actually including everyone else's desire and will but your own. <laughs> you're denying self in order to please others um, because you love them. But he's like, you actually have to love self. And so when we're asking God if if something is good for us to do, he's not, he's not trumping our desires. He's not saying, I actually don't want that for you. He's saying, no. Don't go that way because you don't want to go that way. That's going to take you away from your desire. That's going to take you away from your actual will. Um, that isn't going to honor you. Period. This is, I'm like almost going to cry. Like this is such an important uh, dialogue that we need to be having uh, with God because because he isn't, he isn't, going to say no don't do that um because I want I literally want something different for you he isn't doing that um but he is trying to help you remember what your true desires are and so he is going to answer you in a way that will help you remember or help you choose you um and so and and maybe Maybe this will sit well with you or maybe it won't. And that's okay. Um, I just know that it has helped me really understand my soul. And, um, and it's really got me to the point where I can choose self. And, you know, I have this pattern in this pre-earth um, experience where I literally keep sacrificing myself for others because I don't want to see them suffer. And, and I take on a lot of suffering and, um, and I think that that's okay. Like we do that. We buffer, you know, for others. And sometimes we actually, it's cause we can. Um, but what's interesting to me is, you know, towards the end of my marriage, um, you know, for a couple of years, Christ had been just saying, I need you to let go of all these different things. And then finally, uh, I ended up just feeling so strongly that letting go of my marriage was important and, and it was, it was because I was remembering this revision of this will. I just didn't know that that's what I was remembering yet until, until after. Um, but, but basically I had taken on a lot of suffering and, and part of the reason why the will that I had initially wrote wasn't going to work was because I was going to literally ex like exhaust myself to the point of dying, um, before I ever reached any point where he could have turned like whatever it cost me to to hold that position that hold that place of like knowing my goodness and him not knowing his goodness and then just this this gap you know like whatever the cost was to my soul for that I actually wasn't aware of it um it's kind of like when I would have my babies and I would go into labor and I'd be at the doctor and you know we'd be laying there and all of a sudden, I'm like, okay, nurses, like, you need to go get the doctor because the baby is coming. 
But because I wasn't screaming my head off and I didn't have an epidural, they assumed that I was wrong. <laughs> like They're like, you are too clear-headed about this. And I was like, no, you have to listen to me. The baby is coming. You need to go get the doctor. And two times this happened. Like, And it was like my third and fourth baby. And so I, I remember this one time the nurse was like, Ugh. she sent one lady out, one of the nurses out, and then one nurse stayed. And she lifted up the blanket, rolling her eyes at me. And she's like, oh, the head's out. And I'm like, I tried to tell you the baby is coming. But if I'm not screaming and hysterical, you're not listening to me, right? And so there's there's a pain tolerance. I think the reason I was sharing that, demonstrating this, is like this idea that there is a sense of, um, I don't know if my soul can numb the pain or if it literally doesn't register. But when I, when I left my marriage... Um, I remember Christ being like, you actually have to look back and see what you've suffered. And and it wasn't that I had been hurt or injured intentionally, but I had borne a lot of suffering, um, either in resistance or oppression or just the depression or just whatever it was. Um, it's kind of like if you hold a glass that's half full. After a while, if you're holding it out, you know, straight out from your body, I don't care if you thought it was positive or negative, you know half full or half empty, it's going to weigh so much after a while, you know, and you're just going to have to put it down Um, because it's just hard to hold that position for an indefinite amount of time. And so it was similar um, in in whatever I had suffered in my marriage and um, and not because of the person, but just because of the conditions, right? it's like trying to hold a smile all day. And then by the end of the day, you're like, I don't want to smile anymore. I don't care how happy I am. Um, and so anyway, so I had taken on a lot of this and I can't remember where I was going with this now. <laughs> it's getting really late. I probably just need to end this segment. Um, but ultimately, guys, just listen to yourself. Talk to God. Trust that he trusts you. Trust that he's actually trying to help you understand who you are so that you can choose self. And um, ultimately, like I've gotten to that place where I feel whole and I feel like, like I said, I don't feel alone and I feel like I actually am choosing self. I'm not just laying down my life for others to my detriment or to my self-sacrifice, but I'm balancing it between choosing self and doing what's needful and what I'm able and capable of you know if if Cain means can't you know and able is this idea of he was able to do it he could do it you know um, then they really share the same root of understanding can and can't you know um, and and there are times when we do we are able for whatever reason I had a hundred coins was that my ability to love and to see others' goodness and accept my own goodness? Probably. My guess is that it, it comes down to that. And I disperse that belief in others. And so when I needed that belief to come back to me to exchange for the slaves, it was an easy exchange because it was the parts that I had believed in others. And so they were willing to give it back to me on behalf of someone else. Like they learned how to disperse self in a way. But that always, that kind of leaves me with like um, a little bit of, like it makes me a little bit uncomfortable because of this idea then where they reduced in 
creating those coins to save the slaves in exchange for them. And, and maybe, and maybe all of us women in a way atoned um, or condescended on behalf of those who couldn't free themselves after they had gotten themselves into a sticky situation. And, um, and we were willing to do that, you know, whether we learned that from our savior, whether he learned it from us, whether that was just, you know, it's just part of our divine nature, um, you know, at our core goodness, <laughs> like this idea, um, you know, I guess it's all varied and complicated, right? <laughs> That's the phrase, the catchphrase. Um, but ultimately, the story he's trying to show me is that that this idea did exist in the like in the pre-existence or in a pre-earth life. And um, and one more thing, just before I end this uh, whole episode, which is already pretty long, it seems, is um, that. The idea of a of a female um, ass or donkey it, in Hebrew is a ton. Like it's pronounced very similar or almost identically to the idea in English, a ton. Um, and I find it interesting that that Jesus Christ on Earth, you know, when he was going to present himself in Jerusalem, asked for a, a virgin donkey um, outside the city gates um, with a colt, and and so the you know, his apostles go to get this donkey and which is really a tone and they cover her. She sits upon him and carries him into Jerusalem. And then, of course, everyone lays down the palm leaves really to honor him. But it was covering her path and walking. And so there is a connection. There has to be between women and Christ. Um, we know that we he shed his blood for us, um, but women shed blood every month. I don't think it's a punishment as much as it is like a shared like distribution of the idea of atoning um, for and on behalf of um, the children of men. And this idea of stand with me, fight for me, you know, as I stood there with Christ, did I come willing to be a mother to, you know, not just to, to children I would bear, but to everyone um, in a nurturing way. Yeah, probably. Was I willing to give my life? Yeah, I'd shown that <laughs> this pre-earth story. Um, why did I want to disperse self amongst all to get all home? Well, because I, I, I don't know that I'm whole without everyone. Um, like that's just in my soul. Like I see everyone and I see, I see you as part of me. Like there's a particle of me in everyone and there's a particle of everyone in me. And and I believe in myself. And I, I think that that's one of the most beautiful gifts that Christ has helped me like restore. Because I think at that zero point, I probably lost all hope in myself. Like no one believed that idea that I had. And I couldn't understand then why they couldn't believe it. I can see it now. It's very tricky. We need to get everyone on board, right? Um, and I, I wasn't a savior, you know, but but I see the way that people sacrifice. I see the way that my friends offer self in their marriages and to their children and in the workplace. And, and the truth is everyone is atoning for everyone. We're all exchanging self, carrying burdens for each other, um, laying down our lives, um, and, you know, and the atonement of Jesus Christ is what makes those atonements or like those, 
those moments of atonement, like they make them valid and possible and have effect. Um, because if we can't offer up a perfect atonement, um, he makes up the difference of that atonement. But the truth is we're already doing this for each other. Um, I see it now better. And, uh, and then, you know, I think the next thing is, is we've learned how to lay down our life or we're learning, you know, how to lay down our life for each other. Now, can we take up our lives for ourselves and also choose self and choose our own goodness? Because the more you know your goodness, the easier it is to see everyone else's goodness. And we all just need to remember and get back to that point. Uh, anyway, beautiful episode. I'm going to continue. There's more to the story. There's like so much more. Uh, what happened before I got to my brother at the tree? That was a huge piece that I asked God to... Thank you.